continuing walking, and just past where we saw the deer on the opposite side of the road, something catches my attention. Sorry, Blink, because that's what made me realize it was a subject, something, a creature of some sort that was there. What this subject was doing was actually swaying back and forth pretty fast. It had this pretty swift swaying motion. And I had no idea what the heck I was looking at. But I can tell you for a fact that this was not a bear. This is the Crypto Creatures Podcast. I am Brian, and with me as always is my co-host, Todd. What's going on, buddy? We got a good show tonight. We got Daniel Benoit coming on from the ECBRO. Yeah. East Coast Bigfoot Researchers Organization. Yep. I'm excited about that one. Daniel seen a couple, uh, had a couple encounters in his lifetime and heard plenty and does his own, uh, I believe he's got a couple documentaries out there, maybe a YouTube channel. And I think he does she a does, podcast. And he's too. got a new one coming out. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll have to be sure to check that out. But let's get him on and talk to him, see what he's got to say. Yeah, man. Let's get him. Daniel, thanks for coming on and talking to us tonight. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah, we're glad you finally got on here with us. Daniel, we met you on social media and, and got to talking and realized that you're part of, or you actually started and have ECBRO, that's the East Coast Bigfoot Research Organization. Is that right? Yes. Uh, yeah. One minor thing, I, you know, I've heard other people pronounce it, but I've always uh, pronounced it researchers as in plural. Um, a lot of people like to pronounce it just as a, like a researcher, but you know, it's I, I make it plural because there's others that do associate with me and okay. uh, here locally and a few out of state, you know. So, gotcha. researchers yeah. organization, gotcha. Yeah. So, what was it that made you start that? Well, basically, um, I was very solo, independent when uh, I first got involved. Um, you know, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know that there was others involved with the whole Bigfoot phenomenon, you know. Um, I mean, I was getting involved before I jumped on social media. And, you know, just uh, things were starting to light up, you know. Um, you know, because everybody's familiar with the Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin footage. Um, okay. You know, and, and that's been around for years. And. I'll be honest with you. I believe, you know, as I tell people, that's basically what did it for me. It's kind of sparked that curiosity and put that excitement in me that grew into a passion, you know. Um, So, you know, ever since seeing that and then, you know, then there was documentaries on that later on. um, You know, they've been till this day, they've been trying to debunk that, you know. So I just found that to be very fascinating. Uh, It's basically captivated me it drawn me it put well i should say it it pulled me in and um because you know long before that you know bigfoot wasn't really nothing that was on my mind i didn't think about bigfoot although i grew up in the woods i was familiar with nature you know um but yeah as far as getting involved with bigfoot and um watching the different shows that come on and finding bigfoot you know which was a lot of fun and um now we got Expedition Bigfoot, you know. So, yeah, it just, you know, I started doing a lot of exploring 
um, and really doing a lot of in-depth uh, research, you know, my senses were more alert, more heightened, you know, where I was starting to pay attention to nature a little bit better, you know, and my surroundings, um, you know, and then as far as taking off from there, I started getting on social media. I learned about Facebook and, you know, uh, well, before Facebook, I believe uh, MySpace came around, you know, <laughs> but there was MySpace and then I jumped to Facebook and, and then I started playing around, learning how to use social media. And I was discovering, wow, there's all these other Bigfoot groups and communities and, and I started watching and listening and, you know, I didn't really interact too much. I was more or less the, like the student in the back of the room that was just sitting back and listening and observing, you know, taking notice of all these different uh, theories that flood, started to flood social media. And I, I didn't dismiss any of them because I didn't know, honestly, too much about the subject itself. So I started taking notes and I started looking into things on my own. Um, then I took it upon myself to do my own independent research and studies, both in and out of the field. My main focus was on the wildlife, but I wanted to find something that closely resembled Bigfoot, uh, especially with all the reported activities that we hear about or may have even experienced, uh, all the way down to the vocalizations. I wanted to find a species that existed, that we know that existed, that I could start comparing to, you know. So I, I discovered one and I chose one. And be to be more specific as far as our our non human primates, chimpanzees, gorillas, baboons, so forth, you know, orangutans. I started reading into these and looking into how they act and behave, um, learning and reading on different uh you know, some of the research and the notes from primatologists and what they know and what, what was observed from these primates. And in my studies, I've actually come to find that there was so many similarities within what, you know, their behaviors, things that people are in our own neck of the woods are, you know, giving big credit for. Well, you know, a lot of the, a lot of our findings, you know, they're basically could be logically explained, but then on the other hand, some of these findings got you scratching your head and making you think, whoa, wait a minute, there's something to this. So, but long story short, I was doing cross comparisons with our non-human primates and what Bigfoot's, you know, what people are giving Bigfoot credit for. And that there started to draw my own conclusions of what Bigfoot might be. So, but then again, as I developed on social media, you know, started presenting some of my basic little research here and there. I started picking up on, you know, friends and other people that were interested in hearing what I had to say. And, um, and it kind of drew, uh, grew from there. It kind of started growing and developing from there. And, uh, so I started looking for other people to, to participate with me or, you know, associate with me. Um, cause, you know, we all learn from each other. You know, I don't have the answers or all the answers or, I mean, cause, I don't have answers at all, except for my honest conclusions and my honest beliefs behind the subject. But, um, but yet there's still a lot we can learn from one another. So that's where I took it upon myself to start trying to gather people, you know? So cool. Yeah. Sorry if I'm rambling too much. No, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. All right. Oh, that's, that's what we want. Yeah. We want you We're guys to do the it. talking. We're just here to listen. Okay. okay. Maybe, maybe ask some questions on occasion. 
Uh, not a problem. Yeah, sometimes I ramble and I just keep going on. You'll hear me be very random. You'll hear me talk from one thing, jump to another, and go back and forth. So right. just give you a heads up. I try to give people a heads up when I do these when I do public presentations. Because, you know, I know sometimes people find it hard to follow me because I'll start on something. You'll hear me merge with something else. And then I'll come back to it to explain why I was talking about that. <laughs> Have you had an encounter before, Daniel? Um, yes, honestly, I actually had a, a couple of different encounters. Okay. One was more of a visual. The other was not a visual. Okay. Um, however, 2014 uh, was actually the first time I've ever had any visual encounter. And for the record, I was not alone when this happened. There were six of us total. Uh, this was actually during a camping event. Uh, May 3rd of 2014 is the date that this event took place. To give you a little run back, um, earlier that day, uh, me and the uh, crew, we had actually did a lot of daytime exploring up behind camp. And, yeah, we were up behind camp. We uh, we did some good, you know, hiking, exploring. Uh, yeah, we found a few interesting things here and there. Uh, a couple of the guys, uh, I didn't get to see it because part of us kind of split off. And a couple of the guys claimed to have found a couple tracks uh, down in a washed out, wash out creek. And uh, I would have loved to see that because that's actually where I love to look for tracks, by the way. Uh, anywhere where the dirt is well exposed, where it may be soft enough for something to really pick up the details or show details. Um, so, yeah, after a day of you know exploring and everything, coming back to camp, uh, everybody relax, rest, um, you know, grab the bite to eat. Uh, we had planned to go out that evening because, you know, everybody likes a good night hike. You know, when it comes to Bigfooting. So that's what we did. We set out on foot. Um, now, in the area where we camp at, there is a lake in the area. Actually, there's two. Uh, the other one's a couple miles away from the one lake that was close to us. Uh, so from where our camp was to the lake, it was approximately maybe a mile. All right. So we had made foot down to the lake. And it was perfect because usually there's people down there parked all over there, you know, spread out around the lake fishing. Well, to my surprise, there was nobody there, which was perfect. So we could do what we wanted to do without being disturbed or whatever. So now keep in mind, by the time we got to the lake, the sun was already gone down. And so, I mean, we still had a little bit of daylight, even though we came prepared for the night. And uh, so we paired up in twos. Uh, we spread out around the lake. Uh, now, we had a couple that came down for all the way from uh, Vermont, and Kimmy and Darren, uh, they were an older couple, so, you know, we kept them at the beginning of the lake. There was like a little peninsula uh, with a little bench there, so, you know, there was no sense of walking on the backside of the lake. But, yeah, so the rest of us, we, you know, there was my buddy Tracy Allen and his son, and then there was me and Cliff Stanley. So, yeah, like I said, we went further down, spread apart. And we all had radio communication. And keep, for the record, around the lake, there is these little square docks or piers or whatever. They're handicapped accessible. So what we did, we, yeah, we all got on these, you know, spread out on these little piers or docks, whatever. And, um, you know, we're listening. We got, uh, me and Tracy, we both had parabolic mics. And, um, so yeah, we're listening. Um, yeah, we're hearing a few things up behind us. There's a ridge up behind us. You know, you're hearing some limb snap, what sounds like some kind of movement or walking. 
but it was very distant. From what I was hearing, it was distant. It didn't sound too close. But, you know, that time, it could be deer, it could be bear, whatever. So, anyway, uh, while we were set up there, I radioed down to Kimmy. Now, I have to say this. I share this, and I'm proud to say that anyone who is familiar with the vocalization that Bobo from Finding Bigfoot does, Kimmy, she's a little lady. But I'm going to tell you, I've heard her vocals numerous times. And I was like, this was the perfect place to hear a vocal. Because you got the lake and you got these two mountain ridges surrounding you. So, and then, you know, any vocalization is going to bounce off these ridges and it's going to be heard from a good distance. So I radioed down to Kimmy. I said, Kimmy, all right, you know, everyone's hearing me as I'm contacting Kimmy. I said, all right, everybody, Kimmy, uh, we want you to do your vocal. And as soon as Kimmy's done, everybody, let's go silent. And um, so Kimmy gave off her Bobo vocal. And after that, we all remained silent and we listened. Now, for the record, keep in mind that me and Tracy, Tracy was a little, he was down, I, I'll call it, he, he's in the middle between me and Kimmy. Kimmy is way down at the entrance of the lake. And I'm up on the upper end. And Tracy and the son were in the middle. So after about a good 10 seconds or so, we end up getting a response. And it was not a, it was not a echo cuz echo we would have heard that immediately. This was a good 10 seconds or so. And the vocal you could tell you could hear there was a little distance it sounded like it was coming over the other ridge that was across from us. So we just found that fascinating that we got a response from Kimmy's vocalization. So, so after some time was passing by, we weren't hearing nothing. We weren't getting no activity. We figured it was late. It's time to regroup and head back to camp. So that's what we did. We all met back up, regrouped where Kimmy and Darren were, and we set back on foot to head back to camp. And now we're walking out of the lake. It's all gravel. All keep in mind most or majority of the forest road in the national forest where we were is all gravel. There's some parts of it depends on the direction you go. It is paved. Um but however we were walking up the gravel road and we were headed out to the main forest road. And as we're walking up, we're in a single fire line. I'm in I'm basically up ahead in the lead. And then following me was Tracy, Cliff and the, uh Kimmy and Darren. So we were walking along, and we're all talking. We're all talking in normal tone. We're not trying to remain silent. We're not, you know, we're, our goal is just to get back to camp, you know, because it was late, you know. Um, I didn't really feel tired or nothing. But anyway, so we started noticing, oh, there's deer on the side of the road. It was, like, nonchalantly walking. Now, it was so dark because of the headlamps we had on. It is weird how you could just notice their eye shine just bobbing along. And I guess they were just within that uh, range of light. I don't know. But, yeah, you know it was a deer. It was just kind of bobbing. You know, had the bluish marble eyes just bobbing along. And then went further away into the darkness. Funny thing is, most of the deer around there, usually, you know, they get scared. Uh, they're very skittish. But it's like this deer was... I don't know what the deal was, but it was acting like it was not uh, scared of us or whatever. It didn't act freaked out. It was just 
nonchalantly taking his time on the side of the road and then went into the woods. So, you know, I thought that was interesting. You know, I mean, I've been close to deer before, um, but up on the parkway, because up on the parkway that runs on Skyline Drive up here, yeah, the deer, they know they're safe up there. Um, I mean, yeah, you could get close to deer all day long up there, almost touch them. Um, but yeah, because there's no hunting allowed up there. So anyway, after seeing this deer, you know, which was cool, you know, we saw a little something, you know, some wildlife. But we're continuing walking, and just past where we saw the deer, on the opposite side of the road, something catches my attention. And I'm looking at something, and I don't know, my I got my headlamp, I'm trying to adjust it. It's whatever I'm looking at, down to my left, probably a good 30 feet, maybe. Something's reflecting. I thought it, you know, immediately... One of the first in initial thoughts was, at first, before I saw it blink, because that's what made me realize it was a subject, something, a creature of some sort that was there. But at first, I was trying to get focused, because I couldn't tell that it was eyes immediately, right away. I thought it was one of these little yellow reflector signs that sometimes you see in random places in the National Forest. Sometimes I say no motor vehicles beyond this point. Um I was thinking, this is an odd place to have something like that. There's no way a vehicle could drive off over there. But then, as I noticed, like I said, when I saw it, it blinked and opened up, I realized, again, it was a creature. My words, when I called Tracy, was right behind. I said, Tracy. I pointed right at He saw it, too. And because it looked low, my first thoughts were, was that a freaking mountain lion? Excuse my language. I use other words at the time because I was like starting to like kind of freak out because mountain lion was the first thought that popped in my head and all of a sudden as we're looking at it it kind of looked like it zipped away like it disappeared so Tracy's like guys come on come up here we got eye shine up here so we all get up into that position where we saw it and we're all standing there we're looking directly into the woods and our headlamps are shining in there pretty good and it's real dark in there, but you could see some of the trees and some of the bushes. And But whatever was there, we saw it again. But keep in mind, for the record, there was nothing but eyeshine. We could not make out any physical features, uh, you know, no details, nothing whatsoever. We're just seeing a set of large yellowish-looking uh, eyeshine. And yes, it was yellowish. I know a lot of people describe like an amber, reddish color. But these colors were like a large yellowish color, almost like the color of this shirt. Um, but yeah, they were glowing pretty good based off of, you know, the reflection off of headlamps. And what this subject was doing was actually swaying back and forth pretty fast. It had this pretty swift swaying motion. And I had no idea what the heck I was looking at. But I can tell you for a fact, I knew that this was not a bear. Because bear, if that was a bear, I would have seen red eye shine. Bears have that red eye shine, especially off of reflection. Every bear I've ever seen at night had red eyes, you know, from off the either the headlights of the vehicle or my flashlight. But this here was something different. Uh, I knew it was different, but then at the same time, I had no clue what it was. So we're observing this subject. Keep in mind, it's a good another 30, 40 feet from the edge of the forest or where we were standing. And we're, it, it was kind of exciting, but very mysterious as it swaying side to side. But then it got a little bit more interesting because another set of eyeshine showed up. 
just about five, maybe four or five feet to the right of it. But this time, this side of Eyeshine was much taller. And before I go any on any further, I have to make this uh, clear that from where we were standing, the side of the road sloped down several feet, then leveled back out. So, yes, we are looking down at what we're looking at. Um, now, the, the other one that's about six foot tall is what we estimated. Um, so we got a four foot subject. You'll hear me call them subjects because, like I said, I had no idea what these are. So we're looking at two subjects. The small one's still swaying side to side. And now we got this other one that's around six foot tall, same color eye shine. Same reflection, and you can notice it blinked its eyes on a few occasions. And now we got two subjects. We're trying to make out. We're still trying to make out what they are. We're not not seeing no features, no details whatsoever. You know, like I said, it was just kind of odd. But after observing these two right here, I'm looking over. I'm just scanning the you know the best I can. Because keep in mind, we got some of us had some bright headlights, uh, headlight lamps on. But I'm looking over there through the bushes, and I'm looking over, looking around, seeing if there's something else around. Because whatever we're looking at, we don't know what they are. It's not making sense. But then through the bushes, very low, I see another set of eye shine. And I pointed, at, I pointed that out. And I don't know if Tracy was the next one to see that one with me. But everybody saw it after it got all the way up. Boy, and let me back up because, like I said, it started very low, and I kept my eyes on that one because it was like I didn't know what that could have been, but I noticed it started raising up. It started getting taller and taller and taller, and then when it stopped, looking at the other ones, this one was towering over top of the six foot one, easily by two feet. Now it's starting to get a little interesting here because now we got three sets of eye shine at three different levels. We got a four foot. We got a six foot. Now we're estimating this one to be around eight feet tall. Okay, what's in the woods that's eight feet tall? You know, um, again, these were not bears. So now the thought of Bigfoot is starting to kind of flood through my mind a little bit here. But I wasn't saying nothing. Tracy Arnold was the first one to say anything about squatches. He's like, guys, we got squatches. And at that point, I wanted to believe that, but I needed to see something more, you know, because small ones still swaying side to side. It slowed down a little bit, but it's still swaying. The other one was still, you know, occasionally blinking his eyes. This one here, it was just standing there. It, I noticed it blinked his eyes once or twice. But then at one point, the tallest one made this left turn maneuver. It turned to the left. And it appeared to make a step or two and then turn back around. Now, when it made this maneuver, I don't know if it was the angle, position, or what it was with the light, but we were able to make out a silhouette of wide, broad shoulders and a big, round head sitting on top. I saw that. Tracy saw that. I know Kimmy. I've talked to her since this. She said she saw that, too. So now, I mean... But as far as the eye shine, everyone's seeing everything as far as the eye shine. But that silhouette and that shape that I saw, like I said, I know at least Tracy and Kimmy saw that. I know that much. I'm not sure about the others, but I'll never forget that and seeing that. And I'm actually convinced that what we saw was free squatches. 
I want to believe that there were possibly a family unit. Because, you know, I get asked that a lot about family units, clans, groups. I mean, based off of this one observation, that's where I tell people, I share this, and I tell people, I well, I'm convinced that, that they were squatches. I mean, what else has wide, broad shoulders, eight feet tall, big round head, you know, and then, you know, just where they're located, because I've heard a lot of interesting vocals in activity, tr big, powerful tree knocks from this area. Now, some of these things happened later on, you know, since then, uh, where others got to experience that with me, because there's actually a campsite right around the corner from there. I started camping in that spot more often in hopes of experiencing more or hearing more, which it has been very uh, productive staying hanging out in those areas. Um, but here's a, there's more interesting stuff about this. Uh, it's actually more disappointing, but it's still interesting. <laughs> so after our observation of what we were seeing, all three of them basically turned off and went off further into the darkness. And I believe we didn't see the details like I would have loved to have seen. One, I think they were they had black hair. Two, they were blending in with the darkness. Uh, it's the only thing I could think of. Um, as some believe that they could have been cloaking. If that's the case, I don't see if, if they were cloaking. For the record, I don't I, I don't agree with cloaking, but I, there's other things I'll agree on along the way in between, but. Um, but I think if they were cloaking, I don't think we would have even seen the eye shine or the, you know, that dark silhouette. Um, but yeah, for the record, here's the disappointing part. We made our way back to camp after we didn't see no more. Uh, we started walking back to camp. We got back to camp and all of a sudden we took our gear off and, we start. We had, you know, started up a fire and just we're just shooting the shit, you know, just talking nonchalant and trying to debunk this. I was like, you know, I was like, guys, you know, I want, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I was convinced, but at the same time, there was a part of me that was like, I'm running every thought of uh, uh, every known species that I know that exists in these woods, and we're trying to debunk this, and uh, and here's another thing too. Me and Tracy Arnold, in, in each of our backpacks, we each had our own night vision binocular. And not once during this whole, uh, this whole incident did we think about or the thought ever cross our minds to pull our night vision out to get a better observation of what we were seeing and experiencing. Um, so, yeah, we were kicking ourselves in the butt. I felt like, I mean, I was kind of mad at myself that I never thought of it. Again, both of our devices, they weren't the most expensive devices, but they worked great, especially at the distance that we were observing them. We would have got a great view of them. You know, they were within 30 to 40 feet, you know, from where we were standing. At least that's what I estimated. That could have been maybe it was a little further. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we were both kicking ourselves in the butt. You know, not once did anyone mention, hey, bring your bring your night vision out, you know. Um, so yeah, it. It never worked out for us to do that. But we did go back to that spot the next day. And we tried to confirm our height estimate. Um, we had a couple a couple of us stayed uh, on the road. I know me and the other guy that was with us, Cliff Stanley. He's 
I'm six foot tall. He's probably about six three. He's just a little taller than I am. So we got behind the bushes where we seen the tallest one. And basically, with me raising my hand straight up, you know, you know, I believe uh, Tracy was up on the road. He said, yeah, that's about where the eye shine was. You know, so our height estimate, you know, was pretty accurate. So, um, but we were looking around in the area behind the bushes where, you know, around the trees. We were trying to look for tracks. We were trying to look for something. But it was a little difficult because that ground, it was kind of grassy and lumpy and un very uneven. Um, so to find anything decent as far as tracks in that general area, um, it, it was hard to really pick anything out. There was some impressions, but that could have been the uneven ground too, you know. Um, but yeah, that was the 2014 encounter. Um, skipping to a year later, I, I had another experience just in the same section of woods, but just around a corner. Um, now, unfortunately, I didn't see anything, but what I heard, let me, uh, I guess I'll back up a little bit on the story, what led up to it. It was during the hunting season. And during the hunting season out there, I always try to camp out there as much as I can during the hunting season, if it works out. So this one particular area, uh, keep in mind, right outside the entrance of the lake, there's a big camp spot. And then just through the woods a little ways, there's another spot, a little smaller. And I was set up in that spot right there. And probably between 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, I was sitting there at camp. I had the fire going, had my shotgun leaning against my vehicle. And I was like, I was sitting there. I was kind of bored. I was wide awake, you know, and I was like, I grabbed my spotlight, decided to walk out to the middle of the road. Now, keep in mind, I did not have my spotlight on until I got into the middle of the road. I know there was nobody else camping, nobody else in the area. But as soon as I got in the, um, in the road, before I turned it on, I don't know why, I looked up and down like this, you know. Even though you can't see nothing, it's dark. The only light I had was in my hand that I didn't turn on yet. But when I did turn it on over to my left, immediately, as soon as I started shining it in the tree line, you could hear a deer run off. You know, there's deer all through these woods over here. And, but um, I didn't see the deer, but you could hear the four, you know, the four legs run off, you know. So I'm trying over there. So, oh, cool. I kicked up a deer. And sometimes a deer, I've seen them, they'll come from where I'm camping at. They'll come through the woods and run across over there. For some reason, they love going over there in the evening. It's like a bedding ground. There's a, there's a stream and creek that runs through there. So, um, so yeah, they hang out in there. They feed in there and whatnot. And I believe some of them bed down in there. Um, but anyway, so as I was shining the spotlight after hearing deer run off, I'm shining them, you know, the light, panning it to my right. And as I come across around the one, the two o'clock position and I stop. And all of a sudden, what I heard next was something very large and very, uh, you know, it was bipedal, but it was very large and very heavy. It was walking. You could hear every step, every step, whatever it was stepping on, you could hear a crack and a thump. You know, it was so large and so heavy. It was like a, I don't know, I, the best way I describe it most of the time is like a, like a, I don't know. I don't want to use sound effects, but I'll just say it's a loud, you know, crunch and a thump, you know. So I've used sound effects before trying to describe it, but I sound stupid doing it. But, <laughs> but 
But <laughs> so I mean, now for the record, from where I was standing to the edge of the tree line was a good twenty feet. So whatever that was over there was just beyond that tree line somewhere. And I I don't know. I mean, I, I'm listening to these steps. You hear crunch, crunch, crunch. It wasn't slow, but it wasn't fast either. And when I was hearing this, I was like, my heart started thumping pretty hard. And it's like, you know, you get that feeling like, you know, the expression, my heart was in my throat. That's the adrenaline of the heartbeat I was feeling. It was like, you can feel all the way up here. And I was actually like, I was kind of freaking out a little bit because I was like, I'm by myself. I'm unarmed. So I'm actually literally starting to walk backwards. And with my free hand, I'm reaching down on my belt loop to make sure my vehicle was unlocked because the thought was like, if I have to get out of here, you know, uh, you know, whatever. I was just freaking out. But I got back to camp. I, I made the fire. The fire was still going. I threw like another log or two on it. And instantly, I actually instantly calmed down. And then I started thinking about what I just heard. That was very large. That was heavy. And you could hear only two feet. You could hear a set of feet. Bipedal steps. This was no quadruped. This was no bear. Yes, there's big bears out there. I've seen them. I found their track. There's, well, some people don't believe that we the size bears we get here in Virginia. But, but for the record, I can promise you this was not a bear. Um, you know, I got to thinking about this. So yes, I, I mean a lot of the activity. I mean the encounter the year before happened just around a corner over here. I have found nice size track impressions in this area across from, from the camp. Um, the vocalizations, big powerful tree knocks late at night, the different screams, you know, that I, you know, as far as screams and vocals, these are sounds and vocals that I cannot match up or compare to a known species. I mean, I've heard all the different, I've heard tons of owls, I heard the coyotes, I've heard foxes scream and bark. Um, I mean, there's all these different vocals of various species I'm very well familiar with, but as far as everything that I've experienced, what I've referred to as the unknown, it's come from this general area. Yes, there's other areas I've maybe heard or picked up on some other things. I've heard reports a couple miles up the other end of the forest road uh, from people that have actually seen them cross the road. Um, but hearing something very large and heavy bipedal. I mean, yes, I didn't have to see something to believe to know what it was, especially based off of my previous experience. So, yeah, like I said, when I sat down and calmed down and thought about what I heard, here's a couple of things. One, it was going away from me. It wasn't coming towards me. Um, so that, you know, that's one observation from what I heard, you know, listen to what it was, how it was stepping in the direction it was going. Two, just prior to hearing that, I, I spooked up a deer that was in the tree line just over to the left. Then I back up and think about the 2014 encounter. Just prior to having this encounter, remember how I mentioned there was a deer right there. It was just nonchalantly walking down the forest road. I often think about these two incidents. Was, was that a coincidence that there was a deer involved with each situation? Or did I actually interrupt something? Did I come in between a possible meal? You know, 
I like to believe that they do eat deer. Uh, a lot of people believe that it's a you know good source of protein. It's a healthy meat, you know. Um, so you know that's something I think about often. You know um, that I possibly interrupted their hunt. You know, um, thank God if that was the case, they didn't get you know peed off and come after me. <laughs> you know, so um, but. Those are two of the most exciting uh, experiences I've had. I mean, I've had other little things happen here and there. I mean, hearing different vocals, hearing tree knocks. I've had a rock thrown at me one time, but in a whole different area. Um, still part of the National Forest, but uh, that was another incident. Um, but, yeah, it's been quite adventurous, uh, very interesting, um, you know, because, you know, I love – even if I go out there and don't experience anything that I would relate or associate to Bigfoot, man, I love being out there because, you know, hearing the different wildlife, it's exciting to hear them knowing that they're, you know, nearby, you know, um, true. I've had the sound of a rabbit being taken by a predator right behind my camp. You can hear that rabbit squeal, scream. And I was like, that's cool, but poor rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's like national geographic out there sometimes, you know, um, it's just the coolest things ever, you know, I love wildlife. I love nature. So, but yeah, that was, that was those incidents right there. Were you close enough to notice any kind of smell with these things, Daniel, when you, when you were encountering these things on, on either occasion or, you know, surprisingly, I honestly, I didn't, I don't think no one else mentioned anything. I did not uh, claim to smell anything during these situations whatsoever. Um, it's from what I recall, the air was just naturally, you know, scented with the forest. Um, yeah, there's nothing else that stood out as far as smell or any kind of sense out there. Um, I know some people have experienced that and, and I don't know, I've often thought on that. I said, well, a lot of people, you hear people's stories and encounters. Yeah. You know, prior, you know, just prior to having the encounter, they smell this as what some people may describe like a wet dog smell to uh, maybe a combination of feces combined, you know, I've heard different things, but um, yeah, I can't say I've ever smelled anything, especially during these encounters. But, um, and the other thing is I wonder if it's, it depends on the area that they may be dwelling in, you know, I mean, um, if they're anything like us or even another non-human primate, you know, one, primates give off, they have glands where they do give off different uh, scents and stuff, you know. Um, as far as body odor, man, uh, human body odor is awful. So you would almost think that you would smell something from them, um, you know, or get a whiff of something. Uh, you, th you would think that their body odor would be very potent, you know, a lot stronger than ours. Because if, yeah, if you're within a couple feet from another person, that has bad body odor, you're going to definitely smell it maybe five feet away or so. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It depends if you're, if the wind, if you're outside and the wind's blowing, you're like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, you can almost tell where it's coming from, you know, <laughs> but, uh, no, I know. I, I, I never experienced any bad smells during these events. So I think on one rare occasion walking through the woods, sometimes I do take notice of different smells as I'm exploring. Um, I've had the scent of things that smell rotten. Yes, I, I mean, you can smell dead animals out in the woods. Um, actually, one of the last times me and Jessica were out there exploring, we were exploring in that same area where these, uh, where these took place at. 
we knew there was a dead animal in the smell. We were we were actually trying to locate it. Like that's a dead animal out here. It's a hasn't been dead that long, but it's strong enough where you can smell it. We never did find it. Most likely, it was probably a dead deer. You know, that a coyote or maybe a bigfoot took down. But, um, but yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I like exploring through the air during the day because you never know what you might find. We did get howled at at a very close range from uh, coyotes. Uh, we never saw the coyotes, but we were on the other side of this creek. Uh, we were looking at a couple different tree structures or tree breaks, and we did hear like a like a distant off what sounded like a possible tree knock up on the uh, higher ridge ab above us. And then as soon as we turn around and start walking through this, like we're in the woods, but there's another layer of tree lines over this little embankment. We started walking towards it, and all of a sudden the coyote started howling. I was like, what you know i was like i was like i said jessica get behind me and i like don't move we i don't know i i had no idea i didn't know if they were gonna come out at us i know you know i've heard coyotes attack people before i don't know how common it is but i don't know how many there was but all i know is i had my nine millimeter with 17 rounds in it so you know if i had to i mean i had enough to take out a cane a small canine you know but um but coyotes can be very vicious from what i understand so <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so, but that was a actually an interesting little thing that took place there, you know, like hearing the tree knock, then a coyote howling at us, you know. I mean, I don't know, uh, especially during the daytime. This was probably around, uh, maybe noontime, one or one o'clock, maybe. But, um, yeah, most of the time you hear coyotes are at night, you know, but I don't know, maybe it was doing its mid, I don't know, I don't know what it was doing, but it was, sounded like it was very close, so. Kind of freaked me out a little bit, you know. So it was sending an alarm for some reason. Yeah, exactly. So anything, anything's possible. So tell us about um, your documentary, uh, Elusive Legend. Is that is that right? Yes, uh, Elusive oh, Legend, an ECBR story that was actually filmed uh, just probably a little over a year ago now. Yeah, uh, it was actually last, not last October. When was that filmed? It, well, anyway, it's over a year old by now. Uh, just maybe just over a year. Um, yeah, that was filmed actually in the same general area, uh, a little further up at another campsite. Uh, we had a group of people that camped out there. Um, so we, we set up our base camp there, uh, by the river and, uh, which was interesting because, uh, we did some daytime exploring. Um, which was okay. You know, I was able to point out a few things and, you know, um, there was a couple things that got interesting at nighttime. Um, actually we heard, we, oh, there was a couple things that we pointed out. I don't want to give off too many details. You'll have to watch the movie. So, but, um, yeah, it, it basically consisted of some of the stuff that happened while we were filming. Um, some of the, um, we had some other eyewitnesses that shared their encounters, their stories. um, and then, of course, there's a lot of me blabbing in there. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that was actually a very fun little project. Uh, I've been in talk with the film producer. He's an independent film uh, producer. Uh, he's actually got a couple movies under his belt. Um, Bigfoot Path of the Beast. Uh, he has that one out. He actually has a Facebook page for that. Um, and then his other one is Black Eyed Children. So. Uh, yeah, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't watched that one. I've watched Bigfoot Path of the Beast, 
Um, now that one there, that was uh, the way he describes it. From what I recall him describing it, even though I've watched it, it's slightly based off of uh, almost like a missing four one one report. Uh, but it was based off this guy that goes out in the woods uh, with his wife or the girl he was going to propose to, and and they having some kind of disagreement. Something happens. Um, but the guy is madly in love with her, but somehow she ends up disappearing and he can't find her. All he finds is the ring on the ground. And so he goes on this hunt to look for her and he starts investigating. And yeah. And then it goes from there. I don't want to ruin it too. Like I said, for an independent film, it, I thought it was pretty cool. It was, you know, but, um, and one of the Bigfoot costume that he uses, um, in the movie, he actually used that as a prop, um, next to his, uh, booth last June at our last event. So, uh, yeah, so he had sunglasses on it. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, oh, actually, he had two of them. He had the one, yeah, he had the one at his booth, and then he had one out on the street by the sign. So, yeah, we had people taking pictures uh, with a Bigfoot prop, you know, which was cool. Uh, but, yeah, it was a Bigfoot prop that he used uh, in the movie. So, uh, it was pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, now, as far as uh, Elusive Legend, um yeah, I hope to continue that. Me and him, we've actually been talking. Um, it's just a matter of trying to find the right time. Because uh, he lives up in Northern Virginia. Well, actually, he's in Washington, D.C. And um, it all depends. Because, uh, you know, as far as the schedule between him and his wife, he's, they got three little ones now. Um, so, you know, trying to find the time. Because he's like, he's like, well, what time do you think we want to do this? as well. I'm trying to keep in mind and trying to look back at my dates on what events I got planned. And I was like, well, it looks like July might be the only free month I get, you know, but I mean, I have one event in July, but, uh, yeah. So I got June, July, and then August, um, with event. Yeah. July's only, yeah. I only got one event in July, but the rest of the month I'm free. So I was considering trying to do something with July, but he keeps telling me, he said, if we do another one, we need to have something solid. He said, I want to capture something on film. I said, well, we're going to have to spend some good quality time out there. You can't expect it to be, uh, you know, happen when you're out there. Right. I mean, I consider it as, I don't know, a blessing. Or if you're lucky that it's something, you know, you, you know, my thing is, and like I tell people, like at the end of this month, we got our, you know, our camp out. And we got about between 10 to 12 people signed up for that. And I try to organize campouts in early May, if I can, at least early May or early, you know, like as far as spring and fall, um, like early to mid spring or early to mid fall. Um, of course, right before you get into the hunting season. Um, because I consider the temperature, um, I consider like as far as let's talk about springtime. Um, Around early to mid spring, your foliage is just starting to come in. The weather is just starting to get a little warmer, but it's comfortable. Um, right. I like to consider okay, if I had to live out here, you know, and it's very hot weather, I'm not going to be that active. I want to, you know, find a water source or hang out in the rock ledges and find a den, right. you know, that keeps it nice and cool. Um, I don't want to be walking around and sweat my, you know, butt off if I don't have to, you know, unless I need to go eat, you know. Um, same thing with the fall, you know, sometimes here in Virginia on the East coast, you got, I mean, the fall is still maybe pretty hot in the fall. So, you know, I try to look at September, October, more like October, um, even in October, it, it, 
you still have a lot of hot nights, but it cools down. Uh, especially where I camp at, it's more out in the mountains. It's more towards the western part of the state. You're in a little bit higher elevation, so at nighttime, the temperatures do drop to a cooler temperature. Um, usually about anywhere between a 5 to 10 degree difference compared to where I'm at here. Um, I mean, I'm in, I got mountains surrounding me, but um, more to the west, I mean, we're in the western part of the state. We're in the Shenandoah Valley. So if you go a little further west, about 40, 45 minutes or so, yeah, you're very, you're right there over by the West Virginia line, um, pretty much. So yeah, I mean, the temperatures, you know, I think every year they kind of vary, but they're pretty close the way they work out. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, as far as, I mean, you, you experience different activity all year long, but it's not going to be as interesting as if it was at night when it was cooler. Cause yeah, a lot of these animals and species, a lot of people believe that they're nocturnal. Uh, although there have been sightings of them numerous times during the day. Um, but yeah, they tend to be a little bit more active at night. You know, um, of course, that's when the deer start moving around. Uh, they blend in better with their environment at nighttime, especially like the incident. That's how I look at it. In 2014, they were definitely blended in with the darkness. So it only makes sense, you know. I mean, how many times did I walk through the woods where maybe there was one few uh, just a few feet away from me and i never knew it uh, i think of those things you know you don't know they could be dead still they could probably remain still for a very long time you know um oh, yeah. yeah you just don't know so um so yeah i mean i i for the longest time i've gone out in the woods doing a lot of my own daytime exploring and i've camped out a lot by myself some people think that's crazy maybe it is i don't know but i will tell you one thing as I mentioned, but my nine millimeter out there when, you know, we got howled at. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm most of the time I carry my 44 Magnum because, you know, I like carrying that because it's much more powerful, but then I consider the nine millimeter because, yeah, for example, let's say the coyotes, coyotes come at you. It's faster action, a lot lighter, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, of course, a 44 Magnum might take down a, a bigger bear, you know, but, uh, but bear, you know, I'd say that, but at the same time, I don't really fear a bear all too much because bears, especially the black bears, they're normally very skittish of humans. Um, a lot of times they'll smell you before you even see them, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, like, for example, some of the bears I've seen out there while hiking during the daytime, I look, by the time I notice them, they're already running or going in the opposite direction because they've already gotten wind of you, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's some, you know, I think it's very rare if a black bear would be aggressive to you. So I just recently learned something about black bears, you know, and it's a, I don't know, I need to look into this a little bit more. But this was on a educational documentary. And like I said, I don't know how true this is, but it's, if it's true, it's very interesting because everyone says if you come between a black bear and its cubs, you better watch out. Right. Well, I heard recently and again i need to look into this so they say that's very rare for a mother to be aggressive if you come across as cubs but that at the same time it don't make no sense what you know most uh, apex predator animals are i would assume that they would be very protective especially mountain lions mountain lions are very aggressive if you come across their cubs you know yeah you don't want to cross a mother mountain lion yeah you're asking for serious trouble right there (laughs) Right. But yeah. but as far as bears, I've heard. I don't know. That's something I really need to look into. Because I'm not taking I my know, chance. 
Right. I, that's the way I look at it. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, like I said, I don't want to be, a, you know, I don't want to come across as the guy that goes out in the woods and, yeah, I can go pet an animal. You know, I don't, like I said, just because I say I don't fear an animal, I respect them, you know? Right. Um, exactly. It's not like I'm the beast master. I can go out there and pet, you know, one of them or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, we got one more question for you, and then we'll wrap this up here tonight. Okay. What's your definition of Bigfoot? You know, that's a good question. Um, I will try to answer that to the best of my ability. And um, as I tell people, what I believe Bigfoot is, based off of my conclusions and with what I've studied and researched, does not make this a concrete fact, does not make it a fact at all. However, this is my strong opinion. I don't want to say he's alien. I don't want to say he's human. I want to be careful how I say this, but because there's people that believe they are a type of human. Then you got some people that believe they're some like a ancient relic hominid. Um, you know, I believe they're somewhere or something along the lines of an unclassified, undiscovered, non-human primate. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying they're a type of orangutan. I'm not saying they're a gorilla, uh, you know, because I believe, you know, gorillas and us humans, we're actually completely different. Although science says we're, they're the closest living relative to the human because of the DNA uh, numbers and the percentages. But um, there's a lot I like to look at, again, with my cross comparisons to these various species. I honestly feel that they got to be, you know, and just because I'm saying they got to be doesn't mean they are, but <laughs> I honestly believe that they got to be some type of highly intelligent primate. What kind of primate? I don't know. There's a whole list of primates that date back from, you know, ancient times till up to today. Uh, you know, uh, when I say ancient, I'm talking about relic, you know, somewhere along the lines. For the longest time, I believe. I always practiced or preached the Gigantopithecus theory. And I always try to look at that as like, oh, okay. I had people tell me there's no way he could have been Gigantopithecus because Gigantopithecus, the remains were found in different parts of Asia and so forth. Okay, but then again, we had dinosaurs all over the world. I mean, it's not like we had them in one stationary location. I mean, everybody believes about or has a theory about the, the Barren Land Bridge, you know, but, I mean, we have all these different species that are found all over the world. We have Bigfoot that's been found in every, like, China, Indonesia, uh, Australia. Everyone has their own Bigfoot legend. So, why does something like a Gigantopithecus, you know, why are we limiting, limiting the possibility of their whereabouts or their location or existence? Right. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying Bigfoot is a Gigantopithecus, but just like all the species of different animals that we have today, uh, over time, or as some people would like to talk about evolution or evolving, um, I believe over time certain species adapt and e uh, they do tend to evolve in certain environments uh, over a period of time. They may develop and look different because of how they learn to strive and survive in these areas. So, I mean, there's a couple of different ways I like to look at this as, as in a few different possibilities I don't want to limit myself to these possibilities, but these are different possibilities and beliefs I like to try to stay focused on. 
uh, for my own re- reasons. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to say he's human, but I'm not going to say he's not. I'm not going to say he's a, you know, a type of primate, but as you heard, I'm definitely saying he might be, you know, so right. I don't know. I know I'm, I may not make sense to some of the, you know, listeners or, you know, whoever, but it's, I have my take and view on things. Uh, maybe there's a few other things and a few other ways I could probably get in a little bit deeper details if I had my notes present, but I don't. So, well, <laughs> um, <laughs> nobody, nobody really knows, do they? I mean, right. Um, no. Maybe the government or, or someone who's got some bodies hid somewhere, but they still don't even really know where these things came right. from. Right. Um, so, Absolutely. And that's yeah. what I tell people. I said, whatever you believe he might be, that's not a wrong answer. So, <laughs> right. Right. So, until we get one, then. Nobody's ever going to know. Right. So, <laughs> Well, man, we appreciate so. you coming on and talking with us tonight, Daniel. It's been a yeah, lot of fun, and uh, we really like hearing your stories and, and what you got going on there. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, it's an honor to be on here with you guys. Yeah. It's uh, East Coast Bigfoot Researchers Organization, uh, ECBRO. You're on Facebook. Check out your documentary yeah, as out. well, uh, Elusive Legend, B. Uh, ECBRO stories that 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 was called there. Yes, and uh, for the record, there is actually another Bigfoot film documentary that's uh, actually about to be available on DVD that was filmed out in the state of Illinois, uh, featuring me, Zach Sterick, uh Stacy Coughlin, Ben oh, yeah. Bishop, so and Jessica. Uh, one, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's coming available. Uh, that's cool. called The Hunt for the Shawnee Sasquatch. Okay. So Can't wait yeah. For that yeah. One. That's the one that. So, yeah. yep, that's the one, and there's a lot of cool stuff with that uh, movie and that film. But the producer who actually put all our footage together and my thermal footage, he shows that at the very end. Uh, I'm not saying it is, but I'm not going to deny it. Uh, I mean, I Zach's convinced that it is. So, I mean. I said, Zach, just leave, I'm going to leave it up to everybody's conclusion uh, what they want to believe. I mean, there was something yeah. there. I can tell you. Whatever it was, it wasn't there earlier because I, I will say this much. I had scanned my thermal in this area earlier that night. There was nothing there that showed up the way this showed up, you know. So something was there, you know. You yeah. can see this dark image. It looked like it was like, you know, just uh, wide and bold and, you know, it, and it also appeared to be upright. So, you know, and then there was a over back in the woods way up behind camp. There was something else. Don't know what it was, but something else picked up a heat signature. Um, there was Stacy. You could like all of us are standing in this area, open area out in the woods, and somewhere down, way in the distance, back towards the camp, or or actually in between our camp and the other field, I was picking something up just to the left of Stacy from where Stacy Coughlin was standing, and I think you could see my finger point at it because you can't hear my audio on the camera, so. Uh, on the thermal, but um, but it was interesting. We picked that up, but yeah, I, I try to tell people. I said you got to check it out when it's when you get an opportunity. So yeah, we certainly yeah. will. Absolutely, it was a lot of fun. So all right, well, Daniel, yeah. we thank you again, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. And thanks for coming on and talking with us tonight. And we appreciate it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys Hope very much. I look high, and we look forward to seeing you guys. Yep. Oh, I sure will. Uh, yeah, next next month, June eighteenth, right. right here in Virginia. So, uh-huh. <laughs> all right, <laughs> Thank man, you guys. Yep, you take care. You have a good night. All right, Daniel. All right, guys. We'll see you. Have a good one. You too. Now, you're listening to the Cryptid Creatures podcast with Todd and Brian. 
If you've had an encounter and want to be on the show, email us at info at cryptidcreatures.co or leave a message at 888-5-DOGMAN. I want to check out that documentary he did again. I think I've watched it before, but I can't quite remember a lot oh. of it. So I'm going to be sure to check it out. He's He's got a lot of information, a lot going on down there in Virginia. He does. Yeah, it was interesting. There is There's a lot of things going on in his life. But it was good to get him on and talk to him. And, uh, here yeah, it was. That was fun. Yeah. yeah. So I hope we can get out there and hook up with him sometime. That'll be fun. Yeah, make, make a trip that way. I'd love to get out there and try and set up out there and see if we can catch him. All right, man. Always a good time. Always. All right. We'll talk to you next time. Yep. See ya.